This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Back to your Wednesday Buckeye Talk. We're doing rapid fire. Not going to go super long. We'll probably have another rapid fire coming up later this week, maybe. Maybe next week, probably later this week. Doug Marie, Stephen Means, Nathan Baird. So uh, great interaction, as always, with the texters. And by the way, we're going to start leaning in. Nathan the other day was like, man, we got to get some nonsense back in our lives. We're going to do a bracket. We got to do a bracket. It's time for a bracket. So we'll get input from the textures. What do you want it to be? I still have the great big list of great bracket ideas when we first started doing brackets with the textures. We'll talk about it some on the pod. It might be sports related. I wouldn't be against like doing them right back on back, back to back. Maybe do a fun bracket, then do a sports bracket, do something again like we did when we did great Ohio State players of different eras and that kind of thing. But for now, we're going to do rapid fire questions. We always appreciate the uh, the work that our, our texters 614-350-3315. You guys help make the show. So we're greatly appreciative of that. And Stephen and, and Nathan have really been carrying the load on text lately. And I'm going to get my butt back in gear and start texting more. Draft season, I like that kind of stuff. We'll do that. But this is a big picture question. It pops up, guys, from time to time. And I think it's... I like discussing it some. I don't like discussing it all the time. It is to some degree a semantics question, but we'll try to keep it to football from the 813. Before this year, you could argue Georgia was the most underachieving program in the country. Is Ohio State now that program? Yes, they won a national title only eight years ago. However, relative to the way the program has recruited, I feel like the results have been underwhelming. They should have at least one more title in that span. Are my expectations too high? And is that label too harsh? So the one thing I was double checking Since Ohio State's last national title in 2014, only four other programs have won a national title. Bama's won three, Clemson's won two, and Georgia and LSU have each won one. What do those schools have in common? They're in the South. We still have this project that is lingering, and we'll get to King of the North. Nathan, it's hard for me in that world, because Adam Rittenberg brought this up the other week when he was on. That, hey, man, it's been since 14. You know, it feels like Ohio State should have another one. I, I, I don't know that I would argue against the idea that it feels like Ohio State should have another one since then. Whether it would have happened in 15, whether it would have happened in 19 or 20, or whether they just maybe pull something together a little better in like 18. Or, I don't argue against that. But It's what if you look at this by recruiting ratings, I understand why the texture from the 813 comes to this. But I also think you can look and say, well, why aren't a lot of other programs recruiting better? So if we're judging it that they recruit well, but they haven't won a title, then I think you can have this discussion. But I'm not so sure that's how I view it, because I would look at Florida or Texas or USC and be like, why are you irrelevant? 
what is it about Ohio State that Ohio State should be better than you at all? So that's why this is not where my head goes with discussions like this, Nathan. No, you just said a lot of things that I had prepared to say, Um, because I think there's a difference between wondering if Ohio State has fully maximized its resources. Has it converted a full share of its resources into success? I don't know how, you know, I think you know what I'm trying to say there. Yes. In a way, because Alabama has. And Clemson did. I think you would say that both of those programs did it. And maybe Ohio State didn't quite do that. But I would not call that underachieving. I call underachieving what you see going on at Texas. Every major college in the state of Florida, really, right? I mean, Florida, Miami, Florida State. Like, what excuse do some of these really have for being completely off the radar? USC, obviously, maybe is the biggest one of all um, that you it, I, I, you make one higher and it things just can't well, too. And things kind of start to go sideways on you. Like, it, those are the programs that I call underachieving. I think it's really hard. We need to make sure that you don't look at not making the playoff one year as like a spiral, because I, I, this is something that's kind of only dawned on me recently that like, I think we always talk about Ohio State. Are they going to be one of the four playoff teams? But really, you're competing for one spot, right? Yeah. You're, it's one spot. You either win the Big Ten and you go to the playoff or you don't. It's one spot. And so I'm not saying that it's, um, it should be considered satisfactory. The Ohio State doesn't do that. But I also don't think it it means that Ohio State has fallen off a cliff because they lost one game. I mean, they were right. In, they were in playoff contention. They People thought they might be the number two seed or whatever going into that Michigan game if they'd won that and taken care of business in the Big Ten Championship game. And people thought they were the only team that could beat Georgia at, at some point. So I, I, none of those things to me add up to Ohio State underachieving. I, and I think that hearing that, like, you know, well, they've only won – one national championship since 2014 should they have won two again i think that alone if that's your definition that can't be underachieving steven when you think about underachieving do you think do you think of it more relative to your on-field success compared to how you recruit or do you think it more relative the overall success health of your program compared to where you should be in the college landscape I think it's about recruiting. Um, and I think the focus right now is on the word underachieving, which I agree with everything you guys just said. And that's probably not the right word to use here, but it is fair to ask the question, are they new Georgia? Because the, the two, the two, four, seven talent composite has existed every year since 2015. That's seven years. Ohio state and Alabama are the only programs who have consistently been in the top five every single year. And we know what Bama's doing. So we'll throw them out of this conversation. Ohio State should have the, the question they're asking is basically should how Ohio State have more than one national championship. And if you base it off the way they're recruiting and what I just pointed out there, then yes, they should have one more than one national championship, especially when you add in the context of part of the reason the reasons they didn't make the playoff aren't be, usually because they lost to another power. It's because they lost a game they weren't supposed to lose. The interesting thing is whether you think they are overachieving in recruiting mm-hmm. to then underachieve yes. in national titles compared to their recruiting, right? That why does Ohio State recruit better than Texas? I, I don't know what the answer to that question is because they're the same program. It's just one is surrounded Doing what it's by supposed to do, and but, the other yeah, one's not. 
and one surrounded by a plus talent and one yeah. has to leave its home area to get a plus talent. So that that's the hard thing, man, we got to do this. <laughs> got to get this project. I think, we done. Should, I think we should put a pin in this conversation because this is now a larger conversation because it is. I mean, do you, yeah, there is an, I don't know if it's, you can say it now because Ohio State is what it is, but 15 years ago, if, before Urban Meyer showed up, if somebody, if I would have pointed out a stat that said Ohio State is consistently one of the five most talented programs every single year, you'd have been like, get out of here. That's right. not, that's not where they're at. But that's, so it's overachieving based off what the consistent expectations over the decades have been. But now it's not. They're doing exactly what they're supposed to do from a recruiting standpoint. Now they need to max it with the, the hardware that comes with that, the way that Georgia wasn't doing until a month ago, basically. And I also want to amend the statement I made a couple minutes ago. I think you can say that Ohio State is underachieving. I think you can use that term to say the Ohio State has underachieved because that is actually kind of maybe the definition of what I was saying earlier. But the question is, is Ohio State now the most underachieving program? And I don't know if they're in the top 10. Like, I, right. So many that you can name. And, and there's probably programs that aren't in real national championship contention who are still underachieving even more compared to what level they should be at Nebraska than Ohio state is. I do think, and even Georgia, I mean, right. Georgia hadn't won a national title since 1980. Ohio state's won three in the last 20 years. Now when Ohio state, I think in the, in the time period between either 1968 or 1970, whatever you think that last title was, the 32 or 34 years, that gap, Stephen, I think you would have said, why hasn't Ohio State won a national championship since 1968 or 1970? Holy moly, here we are in the 2000s. Where's their title? That that I'm uh, is completely relevant. But I don't think st- three and 20 years, I don't know. There's a, there's a process that I don't know if I should be talking about this. <gasps> We're currently going through in our company, they call it benchmarking, where it's like they just sort of figure out like what your job is and sort of like where you fit into the grand scheme of the company. I'm not so sure we shouldn't benchmark every power five team in America and say, well, what should you be? Now, that's a lot like the tiers. But like if you if you you, even within the tiers, you could benchmark. But there is, a, I think, t- tiers you can move up and down depending on where you're at and what year we're talking about. Expectations and benchmarks don't change. Your job is your job. Like if you said we're going to benchmark, this actually might be for the College Football Survivor Show potentially. If you benchmarked the 65 power conference teams based on how often you should have a winning record, how often you should finish in the top three in your conference, how often you should win your conference, and how often you should contend for and or win a national title, let's say. And you set a benchmark of, here are those things. And you should do this thing in a 20-year cycle. You should do this thing 12 times. You should do this thing five times. You should do this thing twice, and you should do this thing at least once every two decades. And have you. And if you did that for Ohio State, Nathan, if we benchmarked Ohio State, would they be meeting, exceeding, or be falling short of their benchmark? I think, I think no worse than meeting it, because I think the other something you just said sparked this in my brain. Yes, they've won three in the last twenty years, but that also includes how many championship game losses? Three, three, yeah, two hundred. So six of the last twenty years, they either won the national championship game or 
lost. So once every three years, they're either winning the national championship or losing in the national championship game. I think any expecting anything beyond that is unrealistic. Now, you do sort of maybe put weight on the more recent years, but again, even the more recent years, 2019, they're like one call, one throw away from being in the national championship game. 2020, they lose the national championship game. And then obviously this past year is a disappointment, but even if you weight it just in the most recent, I feel like they're still trending in an, in, in the direction that can't be called real underachievement. In the last 20 years, they'd have three titles, three runner up finishes and, two other final four appearances. Right. So they were the top four in eight of the 20 years. And actually, if we had had a four-team playoff, they would have made it a couple other times too. So I do, but and Steven- if we had a 12-team playoff, they would have made it every single yeah. year under the 12-team playoff. I mean, they would be, and, and who knows what could have happened in those formats. But I do think, Steven, sort of, if you are, if somebody would argue, compared to their current recruiting six rankings- Compared to the last seven years of recruiting, the talent composite that you cited, Stephen, I, I guess you could devise a formula that Ohio State is the most underachieving team. Now, the other thing is, well, Georgia just won. So now Ohio State and Georgia each have one title in the last seven years. So like what is it's not like Ohio State has none. Georgia's is more recent. But I guess by that formula, if you wanted to, maybe we should. You could devise something that leads to Ohio State as the answer here. Based off of. Ohio State's recruiting and accumulation of talent. Since 2015, their resume should look like Clemson's, and it doesn't. And I think that's where the basis of this question comes from. And part of the reason is because Clemson's recruiting resume is not that great, and their success far exceeds it, so they had to bump somebody out. Right. Ohio State's like the number two recruiting team, but they're not the number two success team. And why is that? Because Clemson bumped them out. And now we're back to a conversation that we've had 12 times on this podcast. Clemson is taking Ohio State's seat. But is that OSU over, underachieving or Clemson overachieving? It could be both. I think two things can be true. I think that's true. I would say it's more Clemson, yeah. but I don't think it means it's, it's not Ohio. It, it doesn't mean it's not Ohio State. It's that, I would say it's maybe 70, 30 Clemson because also the ACC sucks. So it helps when you can just blow everybody out. And then all you have to do is worry about what happens when you get on the stage. But yeah, it's uh, 70, 30 Clemson just be overachieving, but it's still both things are true. So again, it's the, not the, like Ohio state was there a lot of those years to stop it. And then the right. two times they were, they lost. The premise I think of- if you take, if it's sorry, but I think if you take Bama out, which we sometimes I've argued before, you almost have to do, they are almost an entity under themselves then it even further, I think, gives you some um, perspective on what Ohio State's done against the rest of football that isn't Alabama. And it's one of those things, I think this comes up like an NBA discussion sometimes when you talk about like max salaries in the NBA. And it's like, well, there's a ceiling in how you rate somebody in recruiting rankings. There's a ceiling in how much an NBA player can make. So LeBron James, when you look at the last 20 years, is number one, but you could then look at like number four, you know, the fourth highest paid guy. And if you're comparing him to LeBron, you'd be like, that guy's underachieving. And it's like, well, because LeBron's not actually number one, he's like number infinity. He's above number one. And there's some part of this with Bama that it's like by the composite, Alabama's one and Ohio State's two, but it's not really one and two. It's one in a certain stratosphere of its own. 
and then the beginning of the next group. And so when you wind up trying to compare Ohio State to Alabama and you're like, dude, what's up? And it's like, man, I'm not even sure you can compare this. Wouldn't that more make the point, though, of the underachieving point? Because fine, let's take Bam out of this. Okay, then Ohio State's won and they have one national championship to show for it. So if you're comparing well, no, because Alabama is still in the process, Alabama is still in the mix. Well, Alabama has three. So some of those years. But if you say, but then if then you arrive at, well, then why isn't Ohio state Clemson? Then that's the yeah. final thing. I'm like, all right, you take out Bama and you take out Bama's three titles. Ohio state is not next in most titles and Clemson has two and Ohio state's in the group of two other teams, three other, there's three of them with one. They should be better than that. It, a lot of it is semantics. I think in the end, I would disagree with, with the – if the question is Georgia was the most underachieving program in the country, is Ohio State now that program? That's the actual question the text would ask. I would say no. Stephen, what would your actual – like a yes? if you had to give a yes or no, what would your answer be? I would say no. That's Georgia's timeline was too long, and Ohio State's not to that extreme yet. And Nathan, you clearly would say no. I would say no, and I actually this is, I don't want to go off on tangent, but I would I would I would say that maybe it isn't Clemson taking Ohio State's place. I think Clemson took the place of Miami and Florida State, the teams I was talking about before, where there should always have been an ACC team making an impact at the national level, and it just got weird that it was Clemson for this past decade. And it's one of those things where if Ohio State just like manages to beat Michigan State in the rain and they win back to back titles in fourteen and fifteen, and then they have to. And they say, well, who's the, they won back to back and they had two and they've been close all these other times. Right. It's like one game threw them off and then a couple other one games. I mean, that's the nature of the sport, but they are for as much as they're not that close to Bama. The ways they're not close to Bama, they're actually close to have like if they all you got to do is beat Michigan State and beat Purdue and who and it's like, well, yeah, that's that's not that far off, but also like don't do that stuff. All right, that is a that is something more to that. I, I I have benchmarking marked down. I I almost think for this podcast, I think we could look at some history. We could consider Ohio State, and we could try to benchmark everybody in the Big Ten, and maybe Bama, Clemson, Oklahoma, like the the national. We, we don't need to be benchmarking Texas A and M and Oregon on this podcast. We could maybe do that on the Survivor Show, but we can benchmark the teams that matter to Ohio State and come to a consensus. What should you be and are you that? All right, let's talk about the field. Nathan, you and I talked about this the other day, and then they released it. Um, Steve and I talked about it a little bit on Tuesday's pod, too. Okay. So it led our, us into a great uh, discussion about Brian Kelly's CMT dance moves. Uh, I feel I, those aren't the words I would have chosen to describe it, but I guess, yeah, we'll go with that. Brian Kelly's trying. I, I feel I, I was it. I was going to say I feel bad for Brian Kelly, but I actually don't. Uh, from the 216, <laughs> are you more surprised that the Buckeyes asked fans and then picked the most basic design, redesign imaginable, or that they didn't go with the colossal redesign and then not give fans credit for the inspiration? So it's like this person is coming at it from a perspective of either be boring or be cool thanks to the fans and then, and then try to take all the credit for yourself. And then the second field question from the 513, how do you guys feel about the new field design? I've heard lots of people complaining about it, but I think it's very nice, simple, clean, and a nice upgrade. Did you guys come to a consensus on like what you think of it? I, I thought they could have let their hair down a little more, but the reason it led us into the Brian Kelly sort of thing was like, I think Ohio State is letting the football speak for itself. And 
not – I think it would have looked phony if Ohio State had really, like, jazzed up its field. There was no reason for them to do that. I understand fans who maybe think this is a little bit too conservative. I get it. Uh, but I also think that um, there's a bit of a statement being made by saying this is a football field and the, the players on the field will make the impact, not the field. I don't think they were looking for somebody to design their field. I think they were just looking for some interesting ideas to bring to the table. They were never going to take somebody's design and go, that's the field we're taking. They were going to take bits and pieces from all these different places, which I'm pretty sure that's what happened here. Cause the Buckeye leaves, somebody probably sit in a design with the Buckeye leaves replacing the X's or putting the, the gray behind the sideline. So I, that's basically what they were doing here. They just wanted to get fans involved just to see if they could steal some of their ideas. They did crowdsource some aspects, right? Like they, yeah. you know, they more of the designs had like a scarlet end zone. So they went with scarlet end zones and yeah. there were a bunch of designs that had the Buckeye leaves. So they made sure there were, although I didn't see them at first, those tiny little Buckeye leaves for where the, the kickoffs will be. So there was, was some of that, but I, I was a little bit disappointed. I thought they could have done more at midfield. I don't know that they, like my favorite, my personal favorite was Brutus, like peeking out of the middle of the block. Oh, like. I thought that would have been fun, but that's that's a I think it, it, I just think that's a little bit too far for Ohio State's sensibilities. I think they could have done like the shadow silhouette of Ohio with the blocko in the middle, and that would not have looked garish at all. But even that court. is probably pushing a little bit. That's maybe a little bit too like artsy fartsy or like futuristic for them. I, I would say that just to what like have the watermark of the the outline of Ohio like just like they do with the basketball court that would have been a nice touch but you know it is what it is. Ohio State is conservative and Ohio State is bound by tradition unless you pay them and then they'll do anything you want. So it's like well, it's like, like that sounds like America to me. <laughs> but you're not like they're not making. I guess I was gonna say they're not gonna make replica fields to sell, but actually they could. If you would have made it really cool and you could sell, I assume, do they sell welcome mats that look exactly like Ohio Stadium's field? I'm sure they do. So, yeah. I would not be the I would not be the customer for that, so I'm not sure. But well, we know you're not the customer, but the eight thousand people listening right now are. <laughs> right, but I don't. We don't go looking for those things. But I, if they don't, they have to, right? Or again, That's like, a, we're that would have, seem like a that would seem like a very easy thing to sell. So, yes, I would assume that they have replica they fields have. as cart. Yeah, that would or like a welcome mat. Uh, that just I'm sure there's I feel like that's an easy whatever, buck to like make. a bath towel. But the welcome mat, I mean, it's grass. It's already fake grass and you get the whole look at it right there. Yeah. So but anyway, but like Nike, it's like, well, how come you wear your crazy uniform? It's like because Nike pays us millions of dollars to do it. And they tell us what to do. And we say, OK, so like, well, how come you have Rutgers in your conference? It's like because we're trying to make money on TV. It's like, OK, so like the thing, if there's not a direct translation, if there's not a cash register at the end of the equation, then it's like, ah, it's just an O. So I would have liked a little more. I think they could have gone 30 percent further than yeah. they did. But I'm not going to yell about it. All right. I think quick- if a fan, if a fan really wanted a, 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 a drastic makeover, they should have submitted one with a giant like raising Canes insignia at midfield. And then like the CEO of Canes, like down in the corner with just like a briefcase with like dollar bills sticking out of it because it's so stuffed full. That probably that might have gotten something done. We'll be back right after this to continue the rapid fire and Buckeye talk. Doug Nathan Stevens, 614-350-3315 for the right to ask us questions like this. From the four three four, who could you see transferring out of the linebacker room? So we always say we don't like to talk about transfers. It's the lives of these players. They get one shot at this. It's just a topic of conversation for us. For them, it's their entire existence. 
But I am really, I think in the transfer portal, like we, I'm willing to pull back on that to some degree because it's like they, not now I say, yeah, yes, for it. Now you got to say, it's like the players should have freedom of movement to some degree, at least. And they wanted it and they got it. And so I guess then we can talk about the potential freedom of movement. It's not the same of what it was, where it's like, it felt like transferring was not a punishment, certainly, but like something went wrong. So you transferred right now. It's just like, like, because Jermaine Burton won a national title for Georgia was as productive as any receiver on the roster. We're just like, I'm going to transfer to Bama. So 12 or 13 guys in that room to me, I don't have the list right in front of me, Steven, but it's just anybody who's a little bit older who feels like they might not start. I mean, you have to be on alert for that. And I don't know if chip train as a transfer and CJ Hicks as a freshman, if they make a move in that room, Steven, guys are going to react. There's just going to be, if the older guys win the jobs, then like guys like that, Gabe Powers and CJ Hicks and guys like that aren't going, you know, Mitchell Melton. Well, actually, maybe he would. The young guys aren't going anywhere. So it's a matter of how much the new guys win playing time, I think, Steven. But certainly the older guys are all on alert, I think. So Roger Mitchell is the most interesting case, I think, on that defense because he's a captain. Oh, he was a captain. He was a captain. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, like, how many times does somebody get voted a captain and then they come back and don't give out the captain again? So it's like, I mean, even if he's not, you know, playing, I'm just saying, like, how, we all know there's going to be captains who don't actually have an impact on the field. That happens every single year. Um, so that's interesting. But yeah, he comes to mind. Uh, EA comes to mind. Yeah. Just because he's older and like he was kind of hurt last year. He didn't get eligible until like, two days before the Oregon game. And it was just kind of weird. Um, Reed Carrico is, I know he's from Ohio, but he didn't do anything last year. And then they brought in a bunch of linebackers behind him. So like, does it seem like after this spring, he has a legitimate chance to carve out a role as a former top 100 recruiter. Not especially when the guy who recruited him and coached him his first year isn't here. Um, I don't know anything, but that's just, I'm just thinking like, what if that's a, person we should be keeping an eye on or not. And then obviously Mitchell Melton was hurt last year. Does he have a chance to establish himself? But then after that, I'm probably stopping the list. Yeah, I mean, it's tough because this isn't like the running back room last year where you had a freshman coming in as much as we like CJ Hicks, you had a freshman coming in and Henderson who we thought was maybe going to be the guy from day one. And there's only really one spot. Yeah. I know there's backup snaps behind him, but you really, he may take over as the feature back and run with it. And it really changes the complexion of that room. It's not even really like offensive line is on this roster right now, where you have 12 out of the 17 guys on scholarship on the offensive line are jammed in the freshman and sophomore classes. So you've got guys who have to start looking ahead and saying, am I stuck in this spot for the next three years? I, I linebacker is different because I, those two guys that you mentioned, Steven, um, I mean, especially in the case of Taraji Mitchell, I was frankly a little bit surprised that he was still here in the first place, be, partially because he had kind of lost. It felt like his standing going in, you know, late in the season. And, but then in the lower classes, it, things are kind of distributed in a normal way through those three lower classes, couple guys here, couple guys there. And, I think even if you are someone like Reed Carrick, who's going to be a redshirt freshman now, and you're looking three years into the future, 
I don't know that anything that happens this spring would lead you to believe you're never going to get a chance to play in that progression. So it's, it's a tougher question than like, I understand why it was posed, but it was when I started to like actually break down the roster, it's a tougher question to answer because it would probably mean, especially with chip Trainum coming in, it sort of means, well, and now Kate's over moving over to linebacker. It's probably, mm-hmm. it would probably have to be somebody who would otherwise be starting finding out that they are much farther down on the depth chart than they thought they were. I do wonder about steel chambers and Cade Stover as position switch guys. Like they, if they want to be linebackers, like they've got to be linebackers. And if they feel like the a role is unclear for them, but that they're good athletes who can go play linebacker for somebody. Like I got, like I got to play. I've already, I, I, like they, they've treaded water a little bit. Kate Stover played a lot this year, right? I mean, actually, he, he was their number two tight end, right. but he's never done the thing he's going to do now. And Steel Chambers, by the end of last year, was playing. But again, it's not like he has a gazillion linebacker snaps under his belt. I, I would wonder about guys like that if they get a sense in the spring that it's like, oh yeah, yeah, they love this Hicks kid, or holy moly. Chip Trainum's going to be hard to get off the field or, oh my gosh, Cody Simon. And when, you know, when he recovers from his shoulder surgery, it's all anybody could talk about is Cody Simon. Like the snaps are going to vanish. I, I would wonder about if, if Chambers and Stover would just like, we've I've got to get on the field at this position to try to figure out what I could be. And I can't wait another year or whatever of of maybe time, can I play 200 snaps this year? So it's going to happen. I mean, if I had to, let's do this, and we don't even have to do names. Is, is Mitchell make, they make it four, if we have Court Williams in the linebacker room, is Mitchell make it 14? Or did we already count him? What's what's the scholarship chart if you count Court Williams as a linebacker? 13. It is 13. Okay. Yes. That's there, a lot of linebackers for there two was spots. A, for two spots. That's a, lot of linebacker, that's a lot of linebackers for three spots, to be honest with you. I would think... It's possible. Well, I would set the over under linebackers who transfer between now and the start of the season. Now and the start of camp in August at three. Does that sound about right? Would you guys go under or over that number? Well, I'm trying to, I'm trying to remember what for someone like Neotote, I'm trying to remember what the transfer rules are. Well, that only applies to him, so he can figure it out. No offense to him. But well, but I mean, but but if they're depending on how many people you think are like actual candidates to leave, I think that that makes. I I think I'd take the under. I'll take the under on three. I'll take the under on three, but that's a good line. And also, just to I, I agree with you on the Steel Chambers part. Um, Kate Stover seems it's going to be three million people thrown into this Leo Jack conversation, but he seems like a guy when you're talking about linebackers who can play Leo. He kind of fits that. He's 6'4", 255. So I, I think there might be a path that isn't just your one of the two linebackers on the field for him in a way that, like, with Steel Chambers, is very clear. You're going to be either the Mike or the Will. Or you're not playing. Yeah. Okay. Well, keep an eye on that. I don't know if I'd go over three, but I set it at three because my guess would be three. Uh, I'm going to jump down one spot in the questions from the 519. Is there any chance that JT Tumaloa moves inside? This would open up the chance for Jack Sawyer and JT to both be on the field while Stover plays the stand-up Jack role. So I, I, I need to think more about this. I need to watch a little more film. I need to 
watch some more Oklahoma State defense and what Jim Knowles wants out of his two interior defensive linemen. But just in my head, as I've thought about JT Tuimaloa, I have often thought about him in context of Cameron Hayward. And Cameron Hayward is a guy who could play inside and couldn't pl- could play outside. Cameron Hayward is certainly on the list of great Ohio State defensive ends, but he's a completely different kind of defensive end than Vernon Golston or the Bosa brothers or Chase Young or Zach Harrison or Tyreek Smith. So I've thought about that, and it doesn't sound crazy to me, especially when you're trying to get your best 11 on the field, Nathan. I, I, I would imagine how they would view that. He is a bigger guy, and, you know, Aaron Donald plays inside and tears people apart. Like, there's there, there are ways you can do this. So that doesn't sound out of the realm of possibility to me as we try to figure out, okay, this Leo spot, you want to get guys around, can you move? There's a guy that you can move. You know, we've and we've talked before about Ohio State likes to recruit, recruit defensive ends and move them inside. I would not view this that exact same way as maybe we would view Adolphus Washington or Draymond Jones. But I want to think about it. Is it even is it is it feasible? I think it's definitely feasible. I mean, because we're talking about beyond just a, a rushman package situation. You're talking about making him like a three technique defensive yeah. tackle. If you want I, your I think, best 11 defensive players on the field on first down, is there, could it, that be achieved by moving him inside? Yeah. I, I, I don't think it's a stretch to think that. I don't think it's true that just because you're a good, a, a big size run stopping defensive end that you can be a good defensive tackle. I don't think it's maybe, I think it's more nuanced than that, but I think it's very plausible that he could be better or as good as, uh, Williams and Hamilton and Hall and those guys at, at doing the job of a defensive tackle. So that part I don't have a problem with. I do wonder a little bit because uh, Caden Curry was talking about this last week when we were talking to him about the options of where he might play and him talking about wanting to be on the edge because of the freedom of movement you have and, and being able to utilize your athleticism more. And are you are you missing out on something that to him allow gives you by putting him inside would be my only question is he does he make up for whatever you're bottling him up a little bit more in some other way but i think in terms of just getting your the most of your defensive player your best defensive players on the field it's certainly something that they're probably gonna have to think about is depending on what they decide to do at that at that jack leo whatever because as we talked about before if you make that a linebacker then you're just there's one spot for all these defensive ends you have that you like he was classified as defensive tackle for most of his you know high school career so i wouldn't rule it out but also um no i I think it would be a rushman package thing most of the time it's because to the point of Nathan was just talking about, there is a level of freedom when you're only dealing with a tackle and it's just you and a tackle. And you can, especially if you want to run around a guy some of the time, I don't, I think he prefers to be on the edge and I think he has enough skill to stay out there. And I think they have enough depth on the interior that they don't necessarily have to move him. So I wouldn't be shocked if it's Rushman package and it's him interior and then Jack and Zach are the outside guys. And then maybe, you know, one other uh, defensive tackle in there with them, but I, I just don't see it outside of that. The, I don't know that it would be better for him. I could see how it could be better for the defense and it could be better. It could be better in the pursuit of best 11 defensive players on the field that if it, if, if it allows you to have, I mean, if it, what if it allowed you to play Jack Sawyer, Zach Harrison and JT Tumalewa like together a lot? I, I don't know. Is that, and again, it doesn't guarantee it because you know, they have some good, 
defensive tackles too. Tyler Williams wants to play more and Mike Hall wants to start to play. And um, um, what's the Hamilton brothers first name? I apologize. Ty. Ty Hamilton wants to play more. So they have a lot of good guys in there. So maybe it is Steven. Maybe it's more it's Nathan package centric, but Sometimes you, you can know. use that package more, though. I don't know if freshman package has to be dedicated only when it's third and seven. Barry Johnson can do whatever you want. So if he wants to roll out the rushman package on first down, I mean, I don't think anybody's going to be mad at him for doing it. Yeah, no, I mean, it's 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 if it's not situational, you just have to make sure those guys can hold up against the run. If you're not. Yeah. If you're not 95 percent sure it's a passing down. Um, but I wish, I mean, like we, we got to talk to Jim Knowles now, but it only has led to like, I would like to talk to Jim Knowles for nine more hours about personnel matching what you want. Right. And, and he's learning it, but it's like, can we learn it with you? Can we, can we just all sit in the room and can you talk it out? Because I would like to hear your brain, try to piece together what's here with what you want to do. Let's do another defense question. And this is actually a good enough big picture question to sort of lead a podcast, but we like to give you the good stuff in the middle too. From the 614, how quickly can the defense realistically get turned into a top 15 type of defense? Do you think they even need to be that good for Ohio State to be in title contention? So I would say they don't necessarily need to be quite that good to be in title contention, but that's about the range to me. I don't think the range is like top 40 for title contention. I think it's like top 20, which is basically top 15. And Nathan, I think it can be like now. I, I don't I don't know what would be holding them back from being that. Yeah, I was thinking like top 25 with an offense that's potentially this explosive, I think is probably good enough. I think it becomes more like, can you can you execute situationally than do you have like some across the board shutdown defense? Are you getting gashed the way they did last year that was just breaking games and, and ruining games for them? I think if you can prevent that. Um, so I, I don't think they're that far off. Um, again, though, I th- there are definitely some positions where they need to prove that they have the talent right now. Like, okay, they've got all of these linebackers. How many of them are good enough to be linebackers on a championship defense? Like, they've got these young cornerbacks. Are they ready? Is is Does Josh Proctor come back at the level he looked like he was playing at late last year? Just there are questions there, but they're, and they are from a, a personnel standpoint. But what's intriguing is, again, the, the, the brand new eyes coming in, this new evaluation and a new system that is sort of built to attack in a different way that maybe can utilize strengths more effectively than they were able to last year. If you've got a crazy offense, I think you can do top 30 because LSU and Bama were 31 and 30 in the year they won in 2020 and 2019. And if we think Ohio State's going to keep doing the offense they've been doing, I think top 30 is fine. Uh, Yeah. Now, I mean, we saw it 2018, their defense was God awful. And then in 2019, they had the best defense in the country with a lot of the same pieces still in place. It's just better coaching. And so if you felt like at times you saw, you know, flashes of it with a bunch of young guys on the defense, and now you've got better coaches in here and a better scheme. And along with a lot of those players are just a year older. uh, There's no reason to think right now that they can't have a top 30, top 25 defense. I don't think there's anything holding them back from being a good defense anymore. As Ryan Day always says, everybody knows coaching scheme, personnel, coaching. All right. Well, Tim Walton, Perry Eliano, Jim Knowles, new, qualified, been around, good resumes. I, I don't see any reason to not think that they can lead a very good defense scheme. 
no longer stuck in this single high thing. They're going to have three safeties on the field. A lot of the time they're going to have this Russian stand-up thing that's going to maybe throw a monkey wrench at, at offenses. I don't think there's anything in the scheme that even, because even if they had got better coaches and Ryan Day was like, boom, single high every time. That's what we're doing. I, we, I think we'd still be like, I don't know, man, but that's not what they're doing. So scheme. Okay. And then personnel. And this is like where we have our disagreements sometimes, but it's like, have we seen it? No, we have not seen it. But if you're adding Jordan Hancock and Jacqueline Johnson and a healthy Josh Proctor and CJ Hicks and year two of JT and Jack Sawyer and Tyleek Williams and all of that to what is already there to Denzel Burke and to, um, I don't have a lot back. Actually, to Zach Harrison, right? I mean, I think that's enough. I don't, I'm not saying there's a Chase Young and a Jeff Okuda in there. I'm not saying it's the best defense in the country. But Stephen, just I don't, I don't know. I don't have a. There's no more roadblock to me. And I think the past two years, we could have said, well, this is all three of those things at various times were roadblocks, and I think they've all been removed. The ex- in the roadblocks had decent excuses, I guess. Sometimes, especially the personnel part when you're playing a bunch of freshmen in the middle of the season. They're not freshmen anymore. A lot they got a lot of snaps last year, and so yeah, there's no reason. It's Ohio State, man. They're always going to have the talent, and do you have the right coaches in place? And when you revamp your coaching staff like this, you almost get to press the reset button and have optimism again. Ryan Day has talked about it a lot. He talked a lot last year about playing all the young guys they played, and he thought it would pay off. Bill Connolly, his SP plus ratings, he put them out on Tuesday. Ohio State is has the 25th most production returning by his metric and that is by far the most of anybody that's a real title contender like BYU's number two it's not even normal that it's not like usually when you're a really good program you're like in the 60s or the 80s or the hundreds because it's like you have guys they're really good they go to the NFL you bring in new guys they're really good but they haven't played that you're not returning production that like the and that's both sides of the ball so the returning production is Far and away, like Clemson's in the 40s, Bama's in the 60s, Michigan's in the 60s, I think, Penn State, I think, is in the 70s, Notre Dame's, they're playing Notre Dame week one, Notre Dame's in the hundreds, it's like 102, Ohio State's 25, so like they they have people back, and I do think that is going to matter, and I do, I, I would, if I had to bet right now without really analyzing it, fuck I talk, um, I would say they're a top 15 defense this year. Let's do a little quick little pod question from the 937, do you guys listen to any other podcasts that you aren't directly affiliated with um steven do you listen to any other podcasts yeah it's basically all i do is listen to podcasts uh bill simmons podcast uh zach lowe's podcast i listen to a lot of basketball podcasts i think if, if yeah a lot of nba podcasts do people listen to music in their car anymore like um, I- sometimes if it's a quick trip yeah because like What's the point of starting an hour-long podcast when you're going to be in the car for 15 minutes? But not, I mean, if I'm dry, like if we're driving to a road, a road game, I'm putting on a podcast because one, it makes the job, it makes the drive a lot quicker because it's like, oh, okay, especially if I'm listening to this pod. Like when I went to Indiana last year for the Big Ten tournament, y'all had like a three-hour pod for no apparent reason whatsoever. Mm. And, it took, and it gave me the entire drive. And it was like, this was helpful, but also there was no reason the two of you needed to go two and a half hours. But look, I talked. What can I talk? I like my wife still sometimes will like turn on the radio and listen to like uh, soccer mom radio. She calls it. 
And, you know, where like the DJs are like chatting about what Ryan Seacrest did or whatever, or there's some, and then they play like a pop song. And I'm just like, I, I don't, I don't understand who, <laughs> Who's I don't mean to destroy it in time, but like, why would you do, why would you do that? Cause you can, if you want to listen, you can listen to people talk about a very specific thing that you like. And if you want music, you can just plug in your phone and play the songs that you like. A lot of people can, anyway. maybe not everybody. I get that. So, um, but I listen to podcasts, but I have not been listening to sports podcasts because sometimes when all I talk about is sports, I don't want to listen to anyone talk about sports. And then there was a time when I listened to like a lot of, when it's in like an election year, I listen to a lot of like world event podcasts and political podcasts and stuff, but there's not an election. Is there, is there an election, right? There's not one like right now. Right. But it's like, I, mean, I don't want to think there's primaries. Oh, great. And then, now I got to but like, I don't want to think about it. Like that is not entertaining to me. I just, so all I've been listening to lately is, is podcasts about movies. Cause I just wanted someone, I just wanted someone to talk for 90 minutes about why they liked a movie. Cause I don't want to really think about sports 24 hours a day. And I don't want to think about politics 24 hours a day. Sometimes I do right now. I don't Nathan. I'm sure you listen to a podcast about a guy building how to install a toilet in your bathroom. That's a great podcast. I'm sure that you've listened to multiple times. Uh, I, 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 I have not listened to that podcast. That's more of a YouTube uh, thing. You need like the visuals for that. You can't, someone can't just talk you through like how to install a toilet. Are you a visual learner? I am. I was always a visual learner well, in school. Yeah. But I'm just saying like YouTube exists. So why wouldn't you use the pictures as opposed <laughs> to just <laughs> the, the sounds? Um, I, I'm like you though. I don't listen to a lot of, I don't listen to a lot of college football podcast i listen to some survivor show when you guys do those i listen to some split zone duo i listen to bill and ari sometimes that's one that like a lot of times um because i'll drive like like steven but except even if it's just like 15 minutes over to osu i'll listen to something so that's uh, sometimes like i'll find an osu podcast to listen to as i'm driving in for a game on game days to like here's maybe something i hadn't thought about that somebody else talked about um on saturday morning but i listen to a lot of stuff that like as you're saying is not um I listen to the Effectively Wild Baseball podcast. I listen to um, a lot of sports uh, cards podcasts because that's like a, a hobby that I've gotten back into. Um, things like that. I will say this, though. Um, I, listen, I like watch the I Am Athlete on every Monday while I'm working. And um, Chris Olave was on this past one. So you should go check him out on the I Am Athlete podcast. He was uh, with uh, Brandon Marshall and Ocho Cinco. So you should go check oh, that for out. Real? Oh, yeah, he was on that one. Him, uh, uh, David Bell, and then Georgia's running back. I can't remember his name. They were guests on it because they were like training in Texas. But I will say this. I agree. I do not listen to any college football podcast when we are not in college football season at all. I just completely until I'll start again in August once fall camp starts. But between January to July, I will not listen to a college football podcast podcast i just can't do it i just no i need a break from it uh i agree but i hope no one else listening to this podcast yeah, yeah you guys should you continue guys. to listen to this college football podcast well but that's but, it but but the reason is like it's the reason i don't like watch espn i don't watch any of those shows on, on espn where guys yell at each other because what's the point and you guys they don't know the things that i need to report on better than i do yeah like so what am i wasting time listening to that like i just i i would i i need to use those hours for something more productive and to be fair we listen to every buck i talk because we we listen to it while we say it like just yeah. that I, I just listened to that i said it but i also listened to it 
because I have a mouth and I have ears. All right, we'll be back to wrap it up after this. Last two, we're not going to get to all the questions I had laid out. We're keeping this a little bit shorter, but we'll get to more rapid fire because, again, the questions were so good. I do want to talk briefly. There's, we'll get to a football question at the end. From the 708, what is your go-to slash traditional Super Bowl food item your must-have for the big game? Nathan Baird, you got a Super Bowl food item? I, it's hard to go wrong with pizza and wings. I think wings are, are pretty good. You can get a few on your plate. Break comes, you go get a few more. Uh, I, I, that, that to me is, is, is sort of a staple. I'm actually going to be in Miami this weekend. I'll be on Sunday night with non-sports people watching the Super Bowl, and we've, I've already started to try to get them thinking about what it is we're going to order that night to watch the Super Bowl. Nice. Because that's uh, the thing. You can appeal to non-sports people with the food you and can. get them into the game. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Uh, like, eat, yeah. Uh, Steven, what you eating? Yeah, anything that's finger food, pizza and wings, mainly because I don't eat beef and pork. But this Sunday, I'll be drinking vegetable juice and fruit juices because I'm doing a 28-day juicing cleanse. So so does that mean you only drink juice for 28 days? Yeah. It's three three times a day. I'm hungry. (laughs) It's day eight. I'm very hungry. It's like a detox, though, but it, I'm, I'm very, very hungry. But does your does your body feel fit and trim yeah. and ready to yeah, go? Yeah. The first couple of days are hard because it's like, oh, my God, I'm hungry. But now, like I'm seeing like I've lost a lot of weight, actually, like none of my jeans fit anymore. It's a little weird. But yeah, I feel I feel great now because I'm in a rhythm with it. So you'll get some special juice. So you get some Super Bowl juice, something a little, little extra kale in your juice or whatever. Celebrate. Joe Burrow playing in the Super Bowl. Uh, my wife makes banana Foster's cheesecake squares. She makes them once a year. She oh. makes them for the Super Bowl. We have fallen into that. It's a wonderful thing. It's just like cheesecake with like banana flavoring in the cheesecake, and then some bananas on top, and then melted caramel and some nuts on it. And it is like my favorite dessert. And we eat it once a year. It is our Super Bowl thing. And then we do get we buy all the uh, frozen apps at the store, and then heat them in the toaster oven potato skins and the wings and stuff. So that's what we'll be eating. This is uh this is not a Super Bowl food question for the 409. I know y'all hate discussing NIL, but here it is. Do you see NIL becoming exploited or weaponized for lack of a better term for player retention? Example, hey Paris, here's this lucrative deal because we missed terribly on recruiting tackles and we need you to stay one more year while the coaches fix their misses. Nathan, I, I did I, I accepted this NIL question because it is, it's a back-end question. It's not a recruiting, get somebody to come here question. And so it's viewing NIL through a different lens, which I did find a worthwhile discussion. What do you think, Nathan? It's a back-end question, Buckeye Talk. Yes. It's, I think right now, even if you feel like there is some truth to the rumors around how much Texas A&M spent or whatever, it's hard for me to see a deal lucrative enough right now to buy out a year of NFL pay for big time guys. And if that's what you're talking about, that Paris Johnson is going to be a first or second round draft pick and Ohio state through its um, boosters comes up with enough money to throw at him, to keep him around a year. Think about the number that you're talking about there, because you're asking a guy to give up that money, not just in that year, but it's also starting his NFL clock one year later. You're taking one year off later in his career for, for whatever you're giving him there. So that, I I appreciate the question. I don't think that's exactly where it would happen. But what I think you are going to see are, and I don't know how often this happened, but I think it definitely has happened. Guys who are on the fringe and could go either way and who feel compelled 
to make the jump because of family circumstances, I think those guys now have incentive to stay. I think those guys can make enough to not be a burden to maybe even send some money home and help out if circumstances weren't. And those guys are the ones who are going to really get helped by NIL more than this idea of this like cartel of OSU boosters being able to back a truck up and pay off a guy who would otherwise be a first or second day pick. I think if you're a first or second round pick, no, you're going pro. I think if you're a guy who is a fifth round pick, but if you come, those guys who are like fifth round picks, but then they come back another year and all of a sudden they're second round picks. Like a guy like Pete Warner, right? After 2019, he's probably a fifth or sixth round pick and he ends up being a second round pick. That's a lot. That's a big difference in money. And it's another incentive of, hey, come back and improve your draft stock, but also you're going to be making the same amount of NIL money that you're making here that you would have made as a fifth or sixth round pick where you actually might get cut. So I think that's where you'll see it. First and second round picks are gone. That's There's no reason for you to come back. But if you're a guy where the discussion can now go from not just improving your draft stock, but also just making the exact same amount of money you would have made anyway, you might as well come back. Because the goal is not to get drafted. Getting drafted, there is a payday associated with that possibly, but there's no guaranteed money in the NFL, not nearly to the same level Mm -hmm. or basketball the way that there is in baseball. It's a totally different sport. So the the point is to get drafted and stay. And a lot of times, if you're that fringe guy, that extra year can really help you. And, And now you have a little bit of incentive to help you on the college end of things. And we do. I think, you know, Damon Arnett made himself a first round yep. pick. He wouldn't have been that high. Davon Hamilton made himself a third round pick. I don't think he would have been that high if he had gone out earlier. Pete Werner's a good example, made himself a second round pick. So I do. And it's like one of the things you could almost see like, and I don't know how all this NIL stuff is going to work, but like almost like trying to target money for that, like a retention fund. It's like, this is earmarked for the fringe guys who feel like, man, I, I, I feel like I kind of got to go for the money. It's like, don't go just for the money if the money's not huge. If, if, if you're going just because you need something more than zero, then we can do something here. But I, I don't think that will be, I think that will be a relative fraction of the NIL impact compared to just good players making money while they're here. Uh, but it's an interesting discussion. And I'm, I, I would imagine we'll know it when it happens and then we'll write about it. Good question. All right. Thanks everybody who participated. We love the, the stuff you guys send us, 614-350-3315. I had to cut this one a little short. We'll do it again very soon. We have a bunch more questions backlogged. Uh, we enjoy you guys coming up with clever stuff for us to discuss. We appreciate you reading our stuff at cleveland.com slash OSU. And um, we appreciate any reviews you guys might want to drop at Apple Podcast for now. For Nathan Baird and Stephen Means, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.